Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Beware the Redwood Bureau, a secret organization which captures and researches creatures and objects that defy explanation. Their reckless procedures have led to countless innocent lives lost. I am Agent Conroy. I worked for the Redwood Bureau, but I have escaped them to leak their reports to the unsuspecting public. You have the right to know. In the uncharted wilderness of our world, there are places where the fabric of reality seems to diverge, where tales and truths blur. These are the locations that have long captivated the human imagination and spawned countless legends. They are the deep forests where time seems to stand still, the abandoned settlements reclaimed by nature, and the unexplained phenomena that defy logical explanation. Recent studies in environmental psychology suggest that certain landscapes can profoundly impact the human psyche. The concept of wilderness effect theorizes that in some remote and untamed areas, individuals experience heightened emotions and altered states of consciousness. Reports from hikers, explorers, and even seasoned survival experts often speak of disorientation, eerie feelings, and a sense of otherworldliness in certain dense forests around the globe. Historically, numerous accounts exist of settlements abandoned overnight, their inhabitants vanishing without a trace. Archaeologists have discovered such ghost towns, left as if their residents were snatched away by an unseen force. These places, frozen in time, tell no tales, leaving behind a haunting silence that poses more questions than answers. But what happens when the veil of normalcy in these remote places is lifted? When the stories and legends we attribute to the imagination become a tangible reality? Classified documents I've extracted from the Redwood Bureau's archives reveal accounts of individuals facing inexplicable situations in such environments. Situations where their understanding of the world was turned upside down. In this account, we delve into the themes of isolation, the unknown, and the unexplainable as seen through the lens of a leaked report. The document, shrouded in secrecy and buried in obscurity, offers a glimpse into a harrowing experience that transcends the boundaries of our understanding. As we delve into these chilling accounts, let us remember that the wilderness holds secrets that are ancient and profound, often existing beyond the realm of our understanding. In its depths, the boundaries of reality can become indistinct, giving rise to tales that are as terrifying as they are enigmatic. These stories are not merely episodes of the unknown, but are windows into a world where the ordinary rules of existence no longer apply. In this realm, where the whispers of the past intervene with the echoes of the unexplainable, we find ourselves confronted with the true extent of our ignorance. With this knowledge, we stand at the threshold of the inexplicable, peering into the shadows of a world that exists parallel to our own a world that reminds us of the fragility of our understanding and the ever-present possibility of encountering the incomprehensible. incomprehensible. Welcome, everyone, to a place I think of as my second home, I began. 
sweeping my hand across the expanse of the forest canopy stretching above us, a mosaic of greens and golds filtering the morning sun. The air was crisp, filled with the scents of pine and earth. My name is Alvaro, and for the better part of 15 years, these woods have been my classroom, my sanctuary, and at times, my challenge. For the next week, there'll be all of these for you, too. The group, a diverse assembly of varying ages and backgrounds, gazed back at me with a mixture of excitement and nervous anticipation. You're here to learn, to grow, and to connect with nature in a way most people never will, I continued, my voice tinged with the passion that had driven me all these years. We'll dive into the essentials of wilderness survival, from foraging and tracking to building shelters and understanding the language of the forest. As we started our trek into the dense, familiar forest, I shared anecdotes from my experiences, how I'd once gotten lost as a newbie survivalist and learned the hard way the importance of always being prepared, or the time I encountered a mother bear and her cubs, a heart-stopping reminder of the respect we must give these lands and their inhabitants. During our first stop, I taught them the basics of identifying edible plants, emphasizing the delicate balance between taking what we need and preserving the ecosystem. Their keen interest was evident in their attentive eyes and eager questions. By the time we set up camp for the evening, the group had bonded over shared struggles and triumphs, whether it was successfully starting a fire without matches or constructing a makeshift shelter that actually stood up. Survival is about adaptability and teamwork, I noted, watching them with a mix of pride and satisfaction. As night fell, we gathered around a crackling campfire, the flames illuminating faces that had started the day as strangers but were now companions in a shared experience. The fire cast a warm, dancing light on the group gathered around. Tonight, let's share a bit about ourselves, who we are, why we chose to embark on this adventure, and what we hope to take away from it, I suggested, passing out mugs of hot chocolate. One by one, each person shared a bit about themselves. There was Mike, a young accountant seeking to break away from the monotony of office life. Sarah, a retired school teacher with a newfound love for life. Alex, an amateur photographer eager to capture the untamed beauty of the wilderness. Tom, a self-described history buff wanting to experience how people of the past lived and survived. Emily, an avid hiker looking to expand her skills and knowledge. Mark, a thrill-seeker always on the hunt for adventure. And finally, Jenna, a woman on the road of self-discovery amidst a crippling divorce. As the fire crackled and conversations flowed, I felt a familiar sense of fulfillment. Teaching, guiding, and witnessing the transformative power of nature on people was more than a job. It was my calling. As each person spoke, the group's dynamics began to reveal itself. The jokers, the thinkers, the quiet observers. They all had their reasons for being here, their own stories, but the wilderness was our common ground. We shared tales and laughter, the kind of easy, unguarded conversations that the wilderness encourages. It was a night of simple joys, the warmth of the fire, the comfort of new friends, and the endless sky above, a tapestry of stars. I hope this journey brings you all a deeper appreciation for the wild, and maybe even a better understanding of yourselves, I mused aloud. Tomorrow would bring new challenges, but tonight we basked in the simple joy of being one with nature. As the night drew to a close, I encouraged everyone to get some rest. Tomorrow we'll start with foraging for our breakfast. Should be fun and tasty. In my tent, the day's interactions played in my mind. I felt that familiar sense of contentment, of being right where I belonged. Dawn greeted us with a chorus of birds and cool, misty air. The group, sleepy but enthusiastic, emerged from their tents, drawn by the promise of coffee and a new day's adventure. As I showed them how to forage for wild edibles and later how to use a compass and map, their eagerness and willingness to learn continued to impress me. 
They were a good group, adaptable and curious, my favorite kind of guide. But as we packed up and set off on our hike, a feeling of unease attempted to darken my thoughts. The forest, my second home, seemed to be hiding more secrets than usual. I couldn't say exactly what it was, but something was setting off alarms in my head. I pushed these feelings aside. The day was too beautiful, the group too lively to let worries and negative thoughts cloud it. The sun had climbed high, casting dappled light through the canopy as we trekked deeper into the forest. I led the way, pointing out various plants and animal tracks, the group following with a mix of fascination and attentiveness, but inside, my mind was a whirlpool of confusion. As I recognized a peculiarly shaped boulder, a landmark I knew well, Sarah piped up. That's an odd place for a boulder. Almost like it's been placed there deliberately. I chuckled, masking my concern. Nature has its quirks. Sometimes the most random things make perfect sense in the wild. But the truth was, that boulder should have been two miles north of our current trail. How had it ended up here? I couldn't understand. I knew these woods like the back of my hand. Getting lost was not just unlikely. It was as impossible as Turtle Rock getting up and walking two miles from where it belonged. As we continued, even more aspects of the wild appeared out of place. A stream that should have been bubbling with fresh water was eerily silent, its bed dry and cracked. The trees I used as landmarks for their unique twists and turns were nowhere in sight, replaced by unfamiliar foliage. Mike, ever attentive to the details, questioned the unusual quietness of the forest and wildlife. Isn't it strange? Not many birds or squirrels around. It could be the time of year, or maybe we're just a noisy bunch, I said with a laugh. Though I too had already taken notice of that exact unnatural silence. The group took it in stride, but inside, my anxiety grew. Every step forward seemed to take us further from the familiar into a version of the forest that was similar yet unsettlingly different. I considered voicing my concerns, admitting that something was amiss, but the thought of causing panic held me back. These people trusted me to guide them safely through the wilderness. Admitting I was as lost as a city slicker on their first hike would shatter that trust. Lunchtime brought a welcome distraction. We gathered around a makeshift table of a fallen tree, sharing sandwiches and stories. Laughter and chatter filled the air, but my appetite was lost to the growing unease. After lunch, as we packed up to continue, I decided to keep a closer eye on our surroundings, looking for any sign of a landmark that would put to rest my growing suspicion that we were not where we were supposed to be. The afternoon hike was picturesque, with sunlight filtering through the leaves and the gentle rustling of the forest. The group's spirits were high, their laughter and conversation a pleasant melody in the wilderness. Yet, beneath it all, my mind raced with questions. How had the landscape changed so drastically? Was I missing something obvious? The doubt gnawed at me, but I kept it hidden behind a facade of confidence and expertise. As the day wore on and the forest grew denser, the feeling that we were treading into uncharted territory became undeniable. Yet, I led on, a captain steering his ship into unknown waters, hoping against hope that my internal compass hadn't failed me. By the time we set up camp for the night, I was grappling with the reality that we were lost in a familiar place, a paradox that made no sense. But the truth was undeniable. Tomorrow, if I couldn't get us back on track, I would have to come clean to the group. But for tonight, I kept the secret, hoping the morning would bring clarity and a return to the familiar trails I'd walked countless times before. The crackling of the campfire seemed to resonate deeper into the forest than usual, casting an eerie ambiance over our little circle. As the group exchanged stories and laughter under the starlit sky, 
A sense of normalcy hung in the air. I joined in, but my laughter was hollow, my smiles forced. Inside, my mind raced with unease. The forest, which I'd walked innumerable times, was different now. Against everything I knew, it had changed and warped, just familiar enough to cast constant doubt within my every thought and decision. The darkness beyond our fire's reach seemed to press in closer, heavy with unknowns. I resolved to retrace our steps at the first light, unwilling to prematurely voice my concerns and unsettle the group. As dawn broke, the forest awoke in a symphony of bird calls and rustling leaves. The group stirred, their spirits high from the previous night's camaraderie and restful sleep. They looked to me for guidance, unaware of the turmoil churning within me. I mustered a confident smile and announced our plan for the day. To backtrack our route, ensuring there was a worthwhile landmark I'd intended to show them. The morning's hike started with a sense of adventure. The group, brimming with energy, followed me as I led them through the dense forest. Yet, with each step, my anxiety mounted. Familiar markers were missing, replaced by unfamiliar terrain. A major waterway reduced to nothing but dirt and foliage as if it never existed. Trees that I recalled marking our path seemed to have vanished, leaving no trace. My internal alarm bells rang louder with each passing hour. The group chattered, oblivious to my growing concern. They admired the scenery, blissfully unaware that this wasn't the trail I had intended for us. I maintained a facade of calm expertise, but my mind raced with questions. How could a forest I knew so well suddenly become so alien? By midday, the realization hit me like a punch in the gut. Without a doubt, I was lost. Every attempt to retrace our steps led to more confusion. The forest seemed to reshape itself around us, a labyrinth without an exit. I kept this revelation to myself, not wanting to incite panic. Instead, I suggested a short break, hiding my apprehension behind the mask of a seasoned guide. As we rested, I scanned the area, hoping for something, anything, that would look familiar. But the forest remained defiantly strange, its once welcoming embrace, now a cold shoulder. The cheerful banter of the group became a distant chatter as my thoughts spiraled into scenarios of what could go wrong. I decided then that we would continue for a few more hours before setting up camp again. Maybe, just maybe, the forest would reveal a path back to familiarity. But deep down, I knew that no matter what direction I led us, we were venturing deeper into uncharted territory. Each step taking us further from the world we knew and closer to something unimaginable. As the afternoon waned, a sense of unease settled over the group. They could sense the shift in my demeanor, the subtle clues that not all was as it should be. Yet, they trusted me, their guide, to lead them safely through the wilderness. They had no choice. And then, as the sun began its descent, casting long shadows through the trees, we stumbled upon it, an abandoned town, hidden deep within the embrace of the forest. Time seemed to stand still as we gazed upon the ghostly structures. My heart sank as I realized the implications of our discovery. This town was not on any map, not in any of my plans. We had ventured into a part of the forest that defied explanation, a place that shouldn't exist. Yet here it stood, defying all logic and reason. As the group excitedly lined up on the outskirts of the town, a cold dread settled in my bones. We were in the uncharted territory now, both literally and metaphorically. The night was approaching, and with it, the unknown mysteries of the ghost town awaited us. Wow, Alvaro, is this part of the course? You know I love history. 
Tom asked, his eyes surveying the town with an historian's curiosity. I hesitated for a moment, my mind racing. I couldn't admit that this was as new to me as it was to them. So I nodded, feigning familiarity. Yes, it's a special part of our experience, something few have ever seen. I said, trying to sound convincing. The group's excitement was palpable. They eagerly discussed exploring the town, seeing it as an unexpected adventure. I masked my unease with a smile, while internally a thousand questions raced through my mind. How had this town, out of place and ravaged by time, remained hidden from my many journeys through these woods? So I guess we should set up camp here tonight and explore the town tomorrow, suggested Alex. His camera already capturing the eerie beauty of the town, backlit by the setting sun. Reluctantly, I agreed, deciding it was safer to stay together in the open than to venture into the unknown structures as night approached. But the truth was, I didn't want to be anywhere near this place. As we pitched our tents on the outskirts of the town, the group chattered about exploring the following day. The buildings, with their worn log walls and broken windows, seemed to beckon them with untold stories. I played along, all the while feeling a growing sense of dread. This place, it didn't belong here, and neither did we. Dinner was a lively affair, with the group sharing theories about the town's history. I listened, offering the occasional nod or comment, but my gaze kept drifting to the silent buildings looming in the fading light. Warning, signal interruption detected. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing... June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more light-hearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Signal connection restored. Later, as we gathered around the campfire, the town cast long, dark shadows around us. The group's laughter and stories filled the air, a stark contrast to the somber quiet of the abandoned town. I found myself glancing repeatedly at the town, half expecting to see figures watching us from the shadows. That night, sleep eluded me. The ghost town with its mysterious origins and unspoken secrets weighed heavily on my mind. Lying in my tent, I listened to the crackling of the dying fire and the soft breathing of the group, worrying what the coming day would bring. As dawn broke, painting the sky with hues of pink and orange, the group rose, eager to explore the town. I watched them, a knot of apprehension tightening in my stomach. 
despite my growing anxiety, I couldn't bring myself to reveal my concerns. To them, this was just an unplanned adventure, a bonus to our wilderness experience. How could I even begin to describe what this was? Alright, let's take a few hours to look around. Remember to stick together and be careful. These buildings are old and aren't safe, I cautioned, trying to mask my nervousness. The town held a haunting beauty. Nature had reclaimed its buildings and singular dirt street, ivy crawling up the walls of homes and shops, creating a picturesque yet eerie scene. The group split into smaller clusters, venturing into the forgotten remnants of what was likely a once-thriving community. I watched them, my gaze passing over the moss-covered schoolhouse, the general store with its faded sign swinging gently in the breeze, and the homes that stood as silent witnesses to a life long gone. My group's excitement was palpable, but so was the ghost town's oppressive atmosphere, weighing heavier on my shoulders with each passing moment. There's something unsettling about this place. Jenna muttered behind me, her voice barely above a whisper as she gazed at the crumbling facades. I nodded in agreement, my eyes scanning the eerie surroundings. The town, devoid of modern trappings, seemed frozen in a time long gone, untouched by the world outside. We explored cautiously, finding remnants of a life once lived there. A blacksmith's forge with rusted tools still on the bench, a communal hall with a large fireplace, and homes with handmade furniture and simple decorations. Each discovery added to the surreal atmosphere, painting a picture of a self-sufficient community that seemed to have lived in harmony with nature. We found no signs of technology or external influence, only handcrafted items and natural materials. Look at this, called out Mark, pointing to a peculiar carving on the door of a house. The symbol, intricate and unfamiliar, seemed to hold a deeper meaning, the likes of which I'd never seen. The group speculated on its origins, but I remained silent, my mind racing with compounding questions. Tom and Sarah called out from a nearby house. Alvaro, come Come see see this. Intrigued, I followed their voices and found them in what appeared to be a living room. The furniture still intact, albeit covered in a thick layer of dust. It's like they just got up and left. Years ago. Sarah remarked, her voice tinged with awe. I nodded, my eyes scanning the room. Family portraits drawn in charcoal on skinned bark adorned the walls their smiling faces a stark contrast to the desolation around us. A chill ran down my spine as I pondered the fate of these people, their stories as lost as I felt. This place didn't belong here, not in the woods I knew so well. The dissonance between my knowledge of the area and the town's presence gnawed at me, a puzzle I couldn't wrap my mind around. As the sun climbed higher, I made a decision. We should head out, I announced, my voice firm. There's another campsite we need to reach before nightfall. But we've barely scratched the surface, protested Tom, who I knew couldn't resist discovering the history of the town. Can't we stay a bit longer? I shook my head, the sense of wrongness about the town becoming unbearable. We need to keep moving. Trust me, it's for the best, I replied, hoping my insistence would be enough. Reluctantly, the group agreed and we gathered our gear. As we left the ghost town behind, I couldn't help but feel a sense of relief. The town's silent, watchful presence receding with each step we took. But the questions remained, haunting my thoughts as we trekked deeper into the woods. What was this place? Why was it here? And why, in all my years guiding these trails, had I never come across it or even heard of it before? 
The forest around us felt different now, its familiarity replaced by a sense of foreboding. I led the group, my mind racing with thoughts I couldn't voice. As we trekked through the dense underbush, I caught glimpses of landmarks I thought I knew, only to have them morph into unrecognizable terrain moments later. The group's energy waned, their steps growing heavier with each passing hour. We need to rest, Alvaro, Jenna pleaded. Her face was flush with exhaustion, mirroring the fatigue evident in most of the others. I glanced at the sun, its position worryingly close to the horizon. Just a bit further, I urged, my voice firmer than I felt. The truth was, I wanted to put as much distance between us and that ghost town as possible. But the forest had other plans. After hours of weaving through the trees, we emerged into a clearing, and my heart sank. There it was, again, the ghost town, standing silently, as if mocking our efforts to escape its grasp. How is this possible? Mark's voice trembled with a mix of anger and disbelief. We've been walking in a straight line, right? The group's frustration was palpable, their trust in me visibly crumbling. Set up camp, I said quietly, unable to meet their eyes. Something's wrong. As they reluctantly pitched their tents, I pulled out a map, my hands shaking. It was useless. The town wasn't on it, and the landscape had betrayed my memory. Exhaustion eventually took its toll, and one by one, the group succumbed to sleep. A tense, uneasy slumber. The fire dwindled to embers, casting long shadows into the dark, moonless night. A scream shattered the stillness, jolting us awake. It was Sarah's voice, filled with raw terror. I leapt from my tent, my heart racing. She was gone, her tent flap open and fluttering in the breeze. The group peeked out of their tents, fear etched on their faces as I frantically searched the area nearby. All I found was Sarah's jacket, torn and bloodied, abandoned near the edge of the woods. We have to stay close to the fire, I instructed, my voice barely concealing the panic rising within me. The darkness seemed to press in on us, the silence of the ghost town more ominous than ever. I rebuilt the fire, feeding it until the flames cast a protective circle of light around us. The group huddled close, their eyes wide with fear, jumping at every crack and rustle in the woods. No one spoke much. Words seemed futile in the face of the unknown terror lurking in the shadows. The night stretched on, endless and foreboding. Every sound was magnified, every whisper of wind a potential threat. Despite our best efforts to stay awake, exhaustion crept in. One by one, the group drifted off to sleep, their rest fitful and filled with uneasy dreams. I fought to keep my eyes open, my gaze constantly scanning the darkness beyond the firelight. I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched, of malevolent eyes lurking just beyond the reach of the flames. Time lost its meaning as the night wore on. My thoughts spiraled into despair, the events of the past few days replaying in my mind. How had everything gone so wrong? Finally, weariness overcame me and I slipped into a restless sleep, haunted by the sound of Sarah's scream and the unanswerable questions that echoed through the ghost town. I awoke with a start, disoriented and unsure how much time had passed. It was almost dark. The fire was now just a bed of glowing coals, casting a dim, eerie light on the tense faces of the sleeping group. I stoked the fire back to life. 
its flickering flames a small comfort in the enveloping darkness. As the group slowly awakened, the reality of our situation set in. We were lost in a place that defied explanation. A place that had already claimed one of our own. The ghost town loomed in the darkness, silent and watchful. An unknown danger hidden among its skeletal structures. The group's fear was evident as the realization set in. The day had somehow slipped away without notice and dusk was already upon us. I wanted to lead the group out of the ghost town, but my suggestion was met with resistance. They were adamant about staying to search for Sarah. As we reluctantly agreed to spend another night in the ghost town, the atmosphere grew heavier with each passing moment. The group, once harmonious and eager, now splintered into factions, each driven by their own fear and desperation. Where the hell are we, Alvaro? Why did you bring us here? Yelled Mike, anger masking his fear. I swallowed hard, knowing that any lies now would only be worse than the truth. I didn't bring us here. I've been trying to take us back since the second day. What do you mean? Screamed Alex. You've been lost this whole fucking time? I haven't been lost. The forest changed. Nothing is how it's supposed to be. You all know it's true. None of this is possible. This town shouldn't be here. The arguments that ensued were heated and chaotic. Accusations were hurled and fear morphed into anger. Alex swung on me and we traded blows until the group pulled us apart. It was a physical manifestation of the tension that had been building a release of the pent-up fear and frustration a final severing of our group's dynamic. The chaos of the fight marked a turning point. We were no longer cohesive. It was every person for themselves governed by their own fear and suspicion. Some refused to stay put any longer and ventured into the ghost town. The decision to split up and search the buildings was against my desperate pleas, but my protests fell on deaf ears. They had learned the truth, that I was as lost as they were, and that I had been lying about it. My admission shattered the last remnants of trust and order within the group. Resentment and fear had replaced the camaraderie we shared just days ago. The remaining daylight faded quickly, and soon we were engulfed in darkness. The only light coming from our dwindling fire... The shadows of the abandoned buildings seemed to creep closer, their empty windows like dark, watching eyes. As the group members ventured through the town, their voices echoing off the decaying walls. A chilling scream shattered the night. It was a sound that froze us in our tracks, a harbinger of something terrible. We yelled and searched, but after an hour, Alex and Mike had yet to return. Calls for them went unanswered, their names disappearing as they had into the void of the night. The night air was filled with the sound of distant screams echoing through the abandoned structures. I wanted to call them back to regroup and form a plan, but my authority was gone. My role as the guide, the protector, had been stripped away once they learned the truth. The fire's light flickered, casting eerie shadows around us. The remaining group members now huddled close, their faces etched with fear and suspicion. Every creak of the old buildings, every rustle of leaves, sent a ripple of panic through us. I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched, of being prey in someone else's hunting ground. The town, with its decaying structures and oppressive atmosphere, seemed to close in on us. I suggested we set watches, take turns to keep an eye out while the others tried to get some rest. But even this plan was met with distrust. Accusations flew about who should take the first watch, who could be trusted. 
The unity we had once shared was shattered, replaced by a primal, almost animalistic fight for survival. As the night wore on, the sounds of the forest grew louder, more menacing. It was as if the woods themselves were alive, aware of our plight and reveling in our fear. Every so often, a sound would jolt us awake, a reminder that we were not alone. That the horrors of the night were not just in our imaginations. And in those moments of heightened fear, I couldn't help but wonder if any of us could make it out of this ghost town. Or if the shadows would claim us, one by one, just as they had already claimed Sarah, Mike, and Alex. My thoughts spiraled into all the dark fates that could have befell my missing group members. The responsibility over them weighed heavily on me. The decision to venture back into the dead town was born of desperation. We were searching for our missing companions, clinging to a sliver of hope that they might be found. But what we encountered in the bowels of a crumbling house was a terror beyond comprehension. Sarah, the first of us to vanish, was there. But the sight that met our eyes was nothing we could have expected. She was part of the house, her body grotesquely fused with its rotting framework. Her flesh melted with the splintered wood, her limbs twisted and jutting out at unnatural angles, as if she had grown into the structure itself. Her exposed organs pulsed in a grotesque rhythm, intertwined with the very fabric of the building, her blood dripping and seeping into the thirsty floorboards. Her eyes, wide with an unspeakable terror, moved frantically, a silent scream etched into her gaze. The horrific fusion of human and inanimate sent waves of panic through the group. Jenna wept openly. Most of us stood frozen in shock, our minds grappling with the impossibility of what lay before us. The town, with its oppressive silence and haunting shadows, had become something far more sinister. Fueled by a primal urge to flee, I herded the group back into the woods, away from the abomination we had witnessed. There was nothing we could do for Sarah now. We had to leave to get as far away as possible. But the forest, once my domain, my expertise, had turned against me. It was as if the trees themselves were alive, their branches twisting to lead us astray. Each attempt to distance ourselves from the town was futile. The paths looped back on themselves, the ghost town reappearing with mocking regularity as we sprinted through the night. Exhaustion eventually claimed us. Our bodies and spirits worn down by the relentless cycle of escape and return. We collapsed on the outskirts of the town, the eerie building standing sentinel in the dancing firelight. Sleep, when it came, was a merciful escape from the waking nightmare, but it was short-lived. Warning, signal interruption detected. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 
Six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Signal connection restored. Awaking from my own restless slumber, the darkness around me seemed even deeper, more consuming than ever before. The fire had dwindled to mere embers once more, casting feeble shadows that danced on the edges of the ghost town. That's when I saw it. A shadow, distinct and unnerving, lurking just beyond the reach of the low firelight. It held something, or rather, someone. Frozen in terror, I watched as Emily's hair seemed to almost float above her, if not for the looming shadow behind her. Two white orbs reflected the fire's glow. Emily's face, pale and streaked with tears, was a mask of absolute fear. Her eyes, wide with terror, met ours for a brief moment before she whispered a single word. Help! In the next instant, she was violently dragged into the darkness. Her screams echoing through the night, a chilling reminder of our own vulnerability. Panic surged through the group, fear contorting every face as they scrambled away from the scene. I ran after her, but was immediately swallowed by absolute darkness. It was by sheer dumb luck I stumbled back to our campsite and hastily rebuilt the fire, the flames casting a small circle of light in the suffocating darkness. We sat back to back, eyes darting into the shadows, jumping at every sound. The hours stretched on, the tension unbearable, but none dared to sleep. The fear of being the next one taken by whatever lurked in the town kept us awake. As the darkness persisted, defying the natural order of day and night, we made a desperate decision to try and leave one last time, regardless of the risks. Gathering our belongings, we plunged into the unnerving gloom of the woods, driven by the primal need to escape. The howls that followed us were a mix of human and something far worse. Filled with a hunger that chilled our souls. Our sprint through the woods was frantic and disoriented. Every direction we took, hoping to lead us away from the cursed town, somehow looped us back to the hellish sight of its rotting walls. We ran in and out of the town over and over, exiting from every angle and returning in another, seemingly quicker and quicker. Our desperate flight came to a jarring halt the moment we came upon a gnarled tree I know I hadn't seen before. There, in a grotesque display of unimaginable fate, was Mark. His body was horrifyingly merged with the tree his torso embedded in the bark, his limbs protruding from different locations of the trunk. An arm even stuck out from one of the branches, fingers twitching as blood dripped off them. His eyes filled with pain and confusion met ours briefly, before he was consumed by another wave of agonizing convulsions. We fled again, the image of Mark's tortured form etched in our minds. I hadn't even realized Mark was no longer behind us. My mind spiraled trying to think when and how he'd been taken. But our escape was short-lived. Tom's scream filled the darkness as he was snatched away with an impossible violence. Leaving only two of us, me and Jenna. Desperate and without direction, we found ourselves back in the town, the uncanny structures mocking us with their inescapable facades. 
With no other options, we decided to take refuge in one of the houses, pressing our backs against a wall, trying to gather our thoughts to plan a next move that seemed increasingly futile. The silence of the town was now as audible as our pounding hearts and ragged breath, the weight of our situation bearing down on us. We were trapped with no way out, no understanding of the forces at play. The realization that we might never leave, that we might suffer the same fate as the rest of our group members, settled in our hearts like a cold stone. We sat there in the dark, lost in our panic, the last flickers of hope fading with each passing moment. Jenna sobbed quietly to my right as I tried to keep my fracturing mind grounded in this fraying reality. The thrumming of her sobs and the swaying of her back against mine created a strange harmonizing loop with the pounding of the blood in my ears. My head spun as hypnotic waves rocked me until everything stopped leaving me in desolate silence. The chilling realization hit me like a sledgehammer. Jenna was gone. In some brief moment from right beside me, she had vanished, leaving behind a fading trail of blood. My heart raced with fear and confusion. How? Where? These questions echoed in my head as I followed the crimson path, each step leading me closer to an answer I feared I'd rather not know. The trail weaved through the dead town, a morbid breadcrumb path that took me past and through derelict buildings. Everywhere I looked, I found more objects of an unsettling nature we hadn't seen before. Twisted sculptures of obsidian, roots knotted into unnatural shapes, bones arranged in ritualistic patterns. Each artifact seemed to pulse with a malevolent energy, as if they were the lifeblood of this hellish town's evil beating heart. The blood trail finally led me to a hut set apart from the others, emanating a sinister pulsing red glow. The light beckoned me like a moth to a flame, and despite every instinct screaming for me to turn back, I was drawn toward it, as if under a spell. The ragged wood door softly creaked open to reveal a scene that short-circuited my fracturing mind and froze my exhausted body. The interior of the hut was a nightmare come to life. Skulls and bones hung from the ceiling weaved together with organic cordage, forming grotesque totems that swayed gently in the still air. The walls were adorned with symbols carved into the black-spotted rotten wood, each one pulsating with a shimmering distortion like heat coming off pavement. The air was so thick with the stench of decay, bile, and blood, I could hardly breathe. At the back of the hut was a stone altar, covered in ancient carvings that seemed to move and shift under the flickering light. Lying upon the altar was Jenna, her body convulsing with sobs. What I can only describe as a witch stood over her, a naked, twisted figure of malice and decay. Her eyes glowed an unnatural white, and her tall, gnarled body was covered in blackened lesions. She spoke in a broken, guttural language that seemed to twist the very air around us. It was then that Jenna noticed me, her eyes filled with a mix of hope and terror. Her mouth opened, the first three letters of my name coming out in a sobbing scream. Ah! But before I could even move, the witch's long finger with black filthy jagged nails shot out, piercing into Jenna's throat. 
A word escaped the witch's lips, a sound so dark and powerful it resonated in disharmony with my very soul. Jenna's desperate plea was cut short, the sound visibly drawn from her throat and into the witch, who inhaled it with a shuddering pleasure while cupping her sagging malformed chest and tilted her head back in ecstasy. The witch then snapped her attention back to Jenna, her hands moving with impossible speed in a sickening dance of death and deformation. Over and over, the jagged claws plunged into different areas of Jenna's body, moving things, putting things in, taking things out. Each time the witch removed her blackened, blood-covered fingers, the wound would close itself, almost instantly melding back together. The blood that trailed out was absorbed greedily by the altar. Jenna's screams were silent now, her eyes wide with unspeakable pain and horror. Standing frozen in fear and disbelief, I finally found the will to move, taking a step back, intending to flee this nightmare. But with that step, a twig snapped underfoot. As soon as I looked up, the witch was upon me. Her gigantic, grotesque hand enveloping my face with a crushing pressure lifting me off the ground as if I weighed nothing. Her grip was like iron, unyielding and cold. Suddenly, a pulse vibrated through my skull, causing a wave of visions engulfed me. I was no longer in the hut, surrounded by death, but standing in a sun-kissed town, alive with the laughter of children and the gentle rhythm of daily life. The air was filled with the scent of blooming flowers and fresh earth, an extreme change to the stench of death and decay that had filled my lungs moments ago. This was the very town that had trapped and tortured us over the last several days. It couldn't possibly look any more different. Overlooking this idyllic community stood a radiant figure, a woman of such beauty it was as if she had stepped out of the heavens. Her hair shimmered with a golden light that seemed to bless everything it touched. She was the heart of the village, a guardian whose presence was woven into every smile, every embrace, every whispered word of gratitude. She was their goddess not just in name, but in every sense of the word. She watched over them, her heart swelling with love as she witnessed their simple, joyous lives. The villagers, in turn, revered her, their lives entwined with her blessings. It was a harmony that persisted for generations, a balance of peace and contentment. But the tranquility of this scene was shattered as one day, strange men approached the village. Men from a world beyond the forests, their hearts corrupted by greed, their eyes hungry for conquest. They whispered among themselves, eyes fixed on the goddess, their intentions masked by smiles. They met with the village elder, presenting gifts from a world unknown. Shiny trinkets, strange foods, and promises of a life filled with ease. The villagers watched, their eyes wide with wonder and desire, the seeds of greed slowly taking root in their hearts. The elder shook his head in refusal. For a fleeting moment, the goddess held on to hope, believing in the strength and virtue of her people. But as the men brought out more wealth and technology, the elder gazed upon the oddities in wonder before he finally bowed his head in acquiescence. Her heart broke. She realized in that instant that her love, her protection, her world had been betrayed for mere trinkets. The men advanced upon her, their intentions clear. They bound her, stripped away her dignity, her grace, and her power. With each act of violence, each betrayal, the love in her heart was replaced by a growing darkness. 
The sky above mirrored her inner turmoil, turning from blue to the blackest of blacks. The darkness choked out the sun and refused the town its light. So too did the golden glow in her eyes fade, replaced by a white void of hatred, pain, and emptiness. The goddess transformed, her naked body twisting and cracking. The beauty that had once been her hallmark warped into a visage of vengeance and malice. She became a creature of darkness, her heart a mirror of the evil within mankind. She turned her wrath upon the men who cowered and fled, ripping them limb from limb, drinking in their blood and wearing their innards like garlands. But her fury had not merely begun. She turned her gleaming soulless eyes to the villagers, those who betrayed her for mere trinkets and fleeting promises never to be kept. They tried to flee, but the curse she unleashed upon the town had each man, woman, and child returning right where they started after every failed escape. One by one, they were drawn back, unable to escape the grasp of the vengeful spirit they had created. Her vengeance was methodical, a slow torment that was far worse than the fate she had inflicted upon the men. The villagers suffered under her wrath for as long as she could make them last, a remaining life of fear and agony. And when no soul was left, the witch's hate burned brighter than ever. As the last vestiges of the vision dissolved into darkness, I found myself back in the horrifying reality of the hut. The echoes of the witch's wrathful vengeance still rang in my ears, the visions of her torture and execution bringing with it a terrible promise. My eyes fluttered open, struggling to adjust to the dim, flickering red light of the hut. Beneath me, the hard stone of the altar throbbed with a sinister power. It felt alive, pulsating with a hunger that seemed as old as time itself. The air around me suffocating again with the smell of death and darkness. Suddenly, the witch was standing over me, her form even more grotesque and terrifying up close. Her eyes glowing with that unnatural white light pierced into me, searching the depths of my soul. I could feel her gaze weighing my heart, judging the darkness and light within. Her hands, long and clawed, hovered above me, casting twisted shadows on the walls of the hut. With each moment, the shadows danced like the devil's marionette. In a moment that felt suspended in time, the witch's gaze locked with mine, her face twisting into the mockery of a smile, revealing broken, jagged black teeth before her hands plunged down. The pain was immediate and excruciating as her fingers burrowed into my eyes. I wanted to scream, to fight, to escape this hell I didn't deserve. But my body was paralyzed as a dark word bore through my nervous system, rendering me helpless under her spell. As darkness blurred into a haze of agony and unending fear, the last thing I saw was burned into my mind. The witch's face, a twisted mirror of the beautiful goddess she once was. Her expression was a mix of sadness and rage, of joy and hate. And then the black enveloped me. The sensation of the witch's hand inside my skull was the last thing I felt before my consciousness slipped away. Redwood Bureau Phenomenon 4576, dubbed Light Witch, and the ghost town nestled deep within an enigmatic forest, stands as one of the most perplexing incidents in the annals of the Redwood Bureau. This town, a manifestation of a corrupt pagan goddess's will, 
exists in a space that defies conventional understanding, eluding physical and metaphysical boundaries. The only evidence of the incident's reality was a fragment of Alvaro, the wilderness guide, discovered at the forest's edge. Through advanced memory extraction technology, the Bureau gleaned fragments of the horror that unfolded. The extracted memories painted a vivid and horrifying picture. The town, a realm shaped and controlled by the goddess, became a trap for Alvaro and his group, an inescapable cycle of terror and despair. This entity, once a benevolent guardian, transformed into a malevolent force, her wrath and sorrow warping the very fabric of reality within the town's confines. The Bureau's interest in this entity is not solely rooted in its containment or understanding. Sources within indicate a deeper desire to harness the goddess's powers. Such control could offer unprecedented abilities in manipulating reality, a prospect both alluring and terrifying in its potential. Parallel cases in Bureau history suggest this is not an isolated incident. Acquired documents refer to other instances where spiritual entities, once part of harmonious human-spirit relationships, have undergone drastic transformations. These changes are often attributed to human actions, broken covenants, desecrations, or the fading of collective belief and respect. Case File 4513, Whispering Pines, for example, details a forest spirit in Eastern Europe that, after the desecration of its grove, began to lure and entrap unwary travelers, warping the woods into an inescapable labyrinth. Another, 4533, the Watcher of Eldridge, involves an entity that, once a protector of a sacred site, turned into a vengeful spirit after the site's destruction, causing inexplicable phenomena in the surrounding area. These cases, including the Ghost Town incident, highlight a recurring pattern a breakdown in the ancient unseen contracts between humanity and the otherworldly. Each serve as a grim reminder of the consequences when these bonds are frayed or severed. As the Bureau continues its efforts to locate and harness the power of the corrupted goddess, questions linger about the ethical and existential ramifications of such actions. Are we prepared to face the consequences of wielding powers rooted in ancient sacred forces? The answers remain as elusive as the shifting realities these entities govern. In the end, the Blight Witch serves as a chilling testament to the complex interplay between human actions and supernatural forces. It's a narrative that forces us to confront the unseen consequences of our actions and the shadows that linger at the edge of our understanding, reminding us that some realms are best left undisturbed. Their secrets, Their secrets untapped. untapped. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.